This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray it encourages and inspires you. Right, so, you all okay? What a peculiar day. But God is good, isn't he? All the time, all the time, without fail. Listen, these are strange times. They're uncertain times. And I think we need a word for uncertain times, don't we? We need to have a word of encouragement, a word of challenge, a word where, do you know what? I've done something now and I can't actually find my glasses. In which case, I'm going to give you a totally different message. That's all right, isn't it? We'll just do something. I know charades. It'll be okay. So this is a time to truly embrace what unity and community means isn't it? I think this is time for Christians specifically to really practice what we preach, right? If ever there was a time that we were called into royal position, it is now. You know, the words of God are true and they are sustainable and they are eternal and they never wear out. And he tells us that when the time comes and we are called upon to act in a godly way and to show the people what being a Christian really means, we are not to shy away or run away from it. And friends, I would suggest now is such a time as that. So this morning, I'm here to encourage you, be galvanized, to put some steel into our convictions because... I don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen. But I believe in a God who does know what's going to happen. I believe in a God who has a plan for each and every one of us. And that is woven into a specific plan for this country, for this nation. And however we meet out our daily life at this time, I pray that we would do it with stoicism. We're very British. Stiff up a lip. Stiff up a lip. With love with compassion and kindness and unity. Are you with me in that? Can we do that together? This morning, the very fact that you're here suggests to me you're interested in behaving in that way. So the title of today's message is Disciplined Disciples. Okay, I know, I know. Listen, I did not come here to play this morning. All right, I know, sorry about that, soz, you know, but I did not come to play. Time is short. We have never felt as pressed like this. I think perhaps something like this was Spanish flu. My grandmother could remember Spanish flu back in something 1999. You know, she's, she's, she's long past where people were affected by a bug, a virus. Our world has been brought to its knees by a mutated gene. But God is bigger than all of that. All of it. All of it. So whatever circumstances we find ourselves in today regarding health, regarding uncertainty about financials, all of that, our jobs, we don't know what's going to happen, but I know in a God who loves you. I know a God who delights in doing good for you. I know in a God, I believe in a God who has a plan for us, for each and every one of us. So today is about stoicism. It's about standing firm. It's about being anchored to the rock that is Christ Jesus. There is no other name that is higher than the name of our Lord God. And he delights to work good for those whose hearts are for him. He delights to work good for those whose hearts are for him. So this morning we need to be for him, not against him, because he is for us, not against us. So we start off. Is that okay? Okay. So why do you need to be a discipled, disciplined disciple? I've been practicing that all week. Do you know what? Interesting sidebar, which is of no interest to any of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was actually meant to give this word a month ago, but God knows what he's doing. So this is a word for today. You know, I think sometimes we take our gifts and we think, oh, I'll just be a little bit humble about it because as you all know, <laughs> there's no one more humble than me. You know? <laughs> 
it is true though, isn't it? We think, I won't shine my light too bright because people will get blinded, but also get a little bit, you know, freaked out by it. And maybe we'll be like, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, this is a word from God. I'm giving it. I'm shining his light this morning. Anybody got a problem with the fact that God has asked me to give that word? Take that back to your shrivel-hearted self, okay? Because to be honest with you, you've got gifts I haven't got. And I thank God for all your gifts that I haven't got. I've got gifts you haven't got. You should be thanking God that I've got them and you haven't. So this morning we celebrate each other. We lift each other up because ultimately we're lifting up the name of God, aren't we? So however God has asked you and purposed you to serve in your world, do it with an unapologetic, unashamed, shining light. And that's what I choose to do this morning. So we do it for that reason. We are discipled, disciples, disciplined disciples, go grief. Only I could choose a title I can't actually say, right? We need to be disciplined because God is relying upon us to diligently shine the light he has implanted within us. Why would he bother doing it if we were going to hide it or snuff it out? Why would he bother? But he knows he can trust you with it. He's given you that gift because he has entrusted it to you. He knows, you've spoken on this, you, he knows that you can be trusted with it. And we are called to be good stewards in all things, aren't we? With our finances, with our gifts, with our time, with our connections with people. So we do it because God has entrusted it to us. We do it to strengthen people in their walk with Jesus. If my walk strengthens you, hallelujah and amen. So my walk is not for me alone. My relationship with Jesus is unique and is mine as is yours with him but I do my walk and the fruit of that is I galvanize and I strengthen and I encourage the saints along the way that's why we need to be disciplined disciples yes you're all right about that the other thing is we do it because we are committed to building character over knowledge and skills yeah this is a trying time you know diamonds are formed under pressure aren't they? So this is what we do. Knowledge and skills are brilliant. I love reading. I love learning new stuff. I love sharing new stuff. I love all of that. But if my character is just one degree off what God wants me to be in terms of holiness that has been shred abroad in my house through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm doing nothing. I could know everything. I can have all the facts and be none the wiser. What he is looking for are hearts that are for him, characters that are galvanized and structured and are planted within the soil that he has set apart us for. Because that's what we are. We are a holy people, a royal priesthood set apart for purpose in God through Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen? Amen. That is what you are called to be this morning. Are you feeling absolutely tip top? Is this not encouraging? It is encouraging. Correct answer. Right, so how do we do it? How do we do it? um, Karis, do you know what? Sarah looks so much like Karis. I actually just called Sarah Karis. Can you believe that? I apologize to both of you. Fight that out later. So here we go. Matthew 28, we all know it, right? The Great Commission. Not the Great Suggestion. Not the Great Footnote. Not the Great, if you've got a bit of time, you might want to be doing this, babe. These are the words of Jesus. You know, his final words to people as he left this earth. I'm going to read it out because there's, I do love it. I do love a bit of Bible reading to you. Do you do it? Do you? Cheeky. See what I did there? Yeah, we love the Bible, Andrea. I read it if I got time. 
Let's read it. We should, shouldn't we? Okay, I'm going to read quite a bit of it, actually, because I'm in that mood. I'm in that mood. I have issues with compliance, and today is one of those days, so I just put up with it. Here we go. Matthew 28, after the Sabbath. We will get to that, but hear this. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, was, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know what you are looking for, for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Amen. Amen. And then fast forward to the end of that chapter. So the disciples hid for a little while. I mean, they couldn't see him. Jesus was freaked out. He showed, you know, they freaked out. They sh- Jesus showed himself, but they were without their savior. So fast forward, they're obedient. And this is key. I'm giving away spoilers, but here we are, okay? Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubt did. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Amen. I absolutely love, love, love that. Okay, so point one. How do we become disciplined disciples? It's recognizing this. Motivation is an unreliable friend. Motivation will define what you feel like doing, but it will also confine what you feel like doing. If you are waiting for motivation to strike where you can take up the mantle of what Jesus Christ has formed in you for specific purpose on this earth, you're wasting time. We're wasting time. If I am sitting in a position where I am waiting to feel like doing it, then that's not good enough. Sorry if this feels a little bit judgy this morning. It absolutely isn't. That isn't my heart at all. That isn't what I'm here to do. But I may be here at such a time of this to actually try and nudge us into some kind of action because that's what the disciples did. They went, didn't they? They had to get up and go. Some of them doubted. You read it? Some of them doubted, but they got up and they went. And your motivation will stop you doing that. You will talk yourself out of it if you don't really feel like doing it. And there are times when we are tired and we are skint and we are fed up and we are alone and we are frustrated and we are sad and we are happy, and we are loved, and we are unloved. But all of that is shored up against the certainty that is in God through Christ Jesus, and said, I am known, seen, loved, and cherished. And actually, even if I don't feel like doing it today, I'm going to do it. So our motivation is submitted to the will of Jesus Christ and all he gained for us, and not submitted to my will. Because if you relied on me to do something I felt like all the time, I guarantee that I would achieve 40% of my working day. Because if I didn't feel like doing it, I would find an excuse not to do it. Now, I am Olympic standard at procrastination. If something's worth doing, 
It's worth putting off till the last minute, right? It's a truth universally acknowledged, but that is not good enough. I say that to myself. It's not good enough because if God has called me to do it, I should work at it and labor unto it as unto the father himself. So every act I do, every time I step out, every conversation I have, every time I smile at someone, every time I think a kind thought, not an unkind thought, every time I exercise and choose to love and forgive and will that into my own life and into yours, then I am doing what God has called me to do. And my motivation will let me down because you really hurt me and I don't feel like doing it. You understand? So we submit our motivation to the cross of Jesus Christ. So in order to be a true disciple and make disciples, you have to be a disciplined disciple yourself. We will make people Christians and misshape them if we are not submitted to the will of Christ Jesus ourselves. Do you understand? Because it is the calling on our life, is it not, to make disciples. Not followers, not Christians, disciples. People who are willing to meet out the will of Christ Jesus in everybody's life because of the personal relationship with their saviour. Is that clear? Do you understand what I'm trying to say is if your relationship with Jesus, if my relationship with Jesus isn't spot on, then I can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for myself, so I can't do it for you. So if my vision is somewhat taken away from Jesus because of all the stuff that is going on in my life, and let's face it, sometimes we just don't feel like it. And I get that. I get that. When times are hard, when your heart is sore, when when it feels like you've been kicked when you're down one too many times, it is really hard to take that will, that motivation, and to screw it up and to shore it against everything that Jesus Christ is. And that can be difficult. And I understand and I'm compassionate and have empathy. I really, really do. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so when I submit my will to his will, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah? Uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, whether we feel like it or not. Because that's all motivation is. It's feeling, isn't it? So I did a little bit of um, reading around on motivation. I um, And, you know, what it is and what it isn't. And, you know, the mindset that you have to have. And somehow, please don't ask me how, I fell down an internet rabbit hole and ended up watching several... Well, way too many all-black hackers than is good for a person to watch, I swear. But I tell you what, how stirring. I tell you, know, no, I, I, but that's what it is. You can, you, you can whip yourself up into motivation, can't you? you but, but you have to do it. You know, I can't motivate you if you don't want to be motivated. I can be really super encouraging. I am, I am. I can be really super loving. I am. You know, and I can be really motivating. But unless you want to be motivated, nothing. It's nothing. I can't do it for you. Believe me, there are some people in this world I'd love to do it for them. You know, come with me, let's do this as we march forthrightly into the world. But we don't, do we? And we can't. It has to be a choice that we do. Because action is obedience. How obedient were these? The 11 disciples went to Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. Really simple. Simple sentence where Jesus told them to go. 
action is obedience. Yes? Our obedience is an outpouring of our worship of God. Yes? So our praise is thanksgiving God. It is thanking him for everything he has done. It is counting our blessings as we have heard this morning. It is saying, you you have done this. I am grateful. Take all the praise. Take all my thanks. Our praise is a prerequisite for our worship. Our worship is telling God, I exalt you and lift you up to the highest place because you alone are worthy and I am here. And when our praise ignites our worship, you can't worship without praise, but you can praise without worship. Yeah? Yeah? You can be grateful and never act on it. But our worship is an outpouring of our praise, which is an action, an intention, a place of discipline in our lives. And when we are worshipping God, he acts on our behalf. You understand? Because our outpouring us says, you alone are worthy. You alone are the name above all names. You alone are the king of kings. And I submit to your will. He hears his people and he answers. That's how it works. That's how it works. So when we are obedient to the call of God and we act upon it, it is worship. Because if it costs us, we submit it. As we act, we submit. If I am motivated to act against my own risk aversion, against my own likes and dislikes, against my own wants and needs and desires for myself, if I am motivated through my relationship with Jesus to act against all of that, it is a sacrifice of worship. And God sees and hears because he's a good father. So at this time, we are standing in the gap for people, aren't we? I don't know how much longer we'll be able to meet like this. So it is upon us to stand in the gap for those people. Is it not? It absolutely is. But we can't wait to be motivated to do that. I may feel like praying later on. I'll pray now. I'll pray now. I may feel like reading the word later on. I'll, I'll, I'll read it now. I'll read it now. I need that word in my life now. I need that word for you now. I need that word for you now. I'm going to read that now. I don't feel like praising this morning. I'm going to praise right now. And when I praise, as an outpouring, I worship. People say, well, I was worshipping at home. You can't do one without the other. Worship is specific and unique and is a fruit of absolute obedience to Christ Jesus. We were made to worship him. We were created to worship him. You were designed for relationship and worship of the Most High God. That is our calling in life. (laughs) That is our purpose in life. That is what we are here to do. To elevate him. To exalt him. To the place where he alone occupies. And to say thank you for everything you have done for me. Thank you and praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. And that is the act of a disciplined disciple. Does it come easy? To some, maybe. To others, it'll be a bit more of a struggle. But you know what? Your struggle is not the issue. This is a call to action. We can do it. Can we not? Good. So we need to act like it, don't we? Don't we? Yeah? If we believe it, we act like it. Excellent. Point two. Are we ready? I know we're whizzing. Whizzing this morning. Point two. Hallmark of a disciplined disciple is recognizing that love doesn't run on a timer. Love doesn't run on a timer. 
We cannot apportion to ourselves and to other people the amount of love we think they need or deserve. Whether that's in time, intent, energy, we are not in a position where we are the ones who apportion that. Jesus says, I give you, oh, I come with all authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. So God came. Why did he send his son? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He, friends, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So who are we to chop it up and minimize it and apportion it in rations? Who appointed us that? You see, we are given authority, but with authority comes responsibility. And the responsibility is to exercise the will to love to all. To exercise, you hear me? To exercise the will to love to all. So it doesn't run out. Did we just sing it? Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Don't know if we sang that. All the songs blend into one, you know, but that's okay. But our call is to be that love. You know, our authority is based on Jesus Christ alone and what he achieved for us through the cross. Amen. 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 Good. Just check in. Some of you were like that. Oh, I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. So he, he was crucified and died, buried for three days, then rose again. Thank you. At least someone's a bit, bit, you know, a bit happy about it. You know. Oh, well done, Jesus. Thank you. Right? He rose from the dead. Side note. The same power that got Jesus up out of the grave now lives in us. Amen? So now he revealed himself to his disciples and then he ascended in heaven. And there he sits at the right hand of the Father doing what? Well, I'll let you know. He is praying for us right now. He is interceding and making a way with the Father for us right now in this minute. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us and wants what's best for us and has a plan for us. And he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And all the mess in the middle he is Lord of. All of it. Every single second. Every little bit. It is an act of will born out of his sacrifice when we extend love to other people. When we are in a place where we, you know, push people to one side or problematize them, the trouble with that one is, or she's like that because, or he's a little bit. When we problematize people, we categorize them. And what we do is we make them nothing. We stop seeing them as their unique created individual made in the image of God, might I add. And we call them problems. And so what we do is we withhold and we extend an arm and we isolate. And we are never more unchristlike when we exclude someone from love. We are unable to speak into people's lives if we don't love them. We are unable to speak into our own lives if we are withholding love from anyone. It is not within our gift to withhold love from anyone. Do we understand that? Despite, despite how you may have been used and what was said and done and what happened. And I am sympathetic. I truly am. But do not let the tragedy and trauma of whatever has happened to us dictate the person we were never meant to be. 
Rather, we take hold of that. We let Jesus apply his healing balm and say, you give that to me now. I will look after that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. But what I'm asking you to do is now go and strengthen your brethren and worship me at all times. And we give it to Jesus. So anything that is standing in the way of you being able to love, any obstacle that we have built up into a love block, we need to hand over to Jesus and say, this is too big. Friends, we are not in a position where we can afford not to love because Jesus gave it all. Do you understand? So if I am saying, well, do you know what? I actually can't afford that. My love budget does not extend to that. I can't, I'm skint. Because I need to keep all of this for myself. Because actually, I need a little bit of love right now. Jesus goes, but I died for everyone. But I died for everyone. And I did die for you, Andrea. I did. And I love you. And you can love me. And we will go on like this together. And love will always be there. But unless you live the life I have ordained, there is no blessing. Because God cannot bless sin. And when we are in a place of unloving behavior and unforgiveness with our brother and sister... That's sin, friends. That's sin. Maybe we, you know, maybe we need to start having a really open conversation about this. Because I tell you what, time is short. It feels like we're pressed right now, doesn't it? We need to be able to have these conversations to say, this is why you need Jesus. Because I can tell you what I was like. I can tell you what happened to me and how I reacted and what I was like. And your, your story becomes your testimony. And it becomes the thing that Jesus has blessed you with to lift up other people into his loving arms. How did the saints overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how we overcome. By submitting ourselves to the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and recognizing that everything we have gone through was meant to make us more holy and into his character so that we can share with other people and say, you don't need to live in that hurt. Let me tell you how Jesus helped me. That's what we're called to do. Not to hold on. Oh, that happened to you too. I know. Listen to what happened to me then. And we come into like a top trumps of pain. You know? We're conflating experience and experience and experience and comparing and contrasting. Oh, we did that to you, did he? Well, let me tell you what they did to you. know, and instead of going, Lord, Jesus has the victory. It is won. It is finished. And we pick the scab off that wound, don't we? We keep picking it. When Jesus wants to heal it. He wants to heal it. Our love doesn't run on a timer. For ourselves or for other people. Forgive yourself. We need to forgive ourselves, some of us, don't we? Let's forgive ourselves. Let's forgive other people. Let's love ourselves and love other people. Because we are forgiven and loved. We are so forgiven right? We are so forgiven. It blows my mind how forgiven I am. I'm like, Lord, um, I think you may need to reconsider how much forgiveness you've extended me because I actually don't deserve it. And he's like, I know, I know, but I love you. I love you. You're forgiven. It's done. Old ground, old ground. Leave it there. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. I hope this is encouraging. I feel like I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> You know, like one of those fairground games where there's a boxing ball and you're just doing that to it all the time. I hope it doesn't feel like that. Let's just put it that way. Some of you are going out a little bit sore, <laughs> a little bit, you know, punch drunk. I haven't, I am sorry. But this is what I really, truly feel. This is what God is saying. I really, truly feel God is saying, 
get out there, encourage my saints, because people are going to need them. Yes? When we have, you know, when we are friends. I, I cannot understand the world we are living in at the moment. We are living in a place where supermarket shelves are stripped of toilet paper. Toilet paper! I think I missed the memo. Right? I don't understand. I don't get it. But that's the world we're living in right now. It's a crazy world. And, and we don't know. But I tell you what, because this is the third point I want to get to. Disciplined disciples live in a place of certain uncertainty. Yeah? We accept and acknowledge and rejoice in a certain uncertainty. This world is uncertain. I would love to tell you all that I know what will happen to each and every one of you tomorrow morning and myself. I don't. I don't. But I know. I know whatever happens tomorrow morning for each and every one of us. You are loved beyond measure. And God has a plan for you. And Jesus died for you. And you have a church who believes in you. And a God in heaven who cherishes you. And sees you. And delights in you. That's what I know. So that much is certain. For there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Abso- Listen to me. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. So in a time of complete and utter uncertainty for our physical selves, I rejoice in a spiritual certainty that tells me my father loves me and sent his son to die for me. And what we do then, when we acknowledge, you know, the disciples did it, didn't they? Right? They knew. When Jesus came, I said, throw your nets to the other side. They're uncertain. Peter, come out and walk on that water. Like, um, for real? Yeah, okay. You know, but all of it. You know what? They're going to tear down this temple, but in three days it'll be rebuilt. What? What? What's he talking about? But they loved Jesus so much, they knew. They knew. They saw it. Abraham was told, Abraham, tell you what, you know where you live, Abraham? And you're doing really well there. Tick, well done. Rich, prosperous, good boy. You've done what I said. Now I'd like you to leave there and go somewhere I'm not going to tell you. So God said to Abraham, I'd like you to leave there where it's all absolutely peachy. And I want you to go, um, well, I'm not going to tell you where I want you to go. I'd just like you to go. I would, could you do that? And you know what? Abraham's great. And this is why it's credited to Abraham as righteousness. He saw it. He saw it. He said, do you know what? You're telling me I love you and I trust you because I know you love me. Let's go. Let's go. We move to a place of safe certainty through a certain uncertainty. Do you understand? Do you understand? The world can look at us and say it's an uncertain time and we can be certainly uncertain, but we can be safely certain in a God who loves us. So when... Psalm 91, when the pestilence comes to your door, he will gather his angels around you. He will gather his angels around you. I will bless him with long life. It says, I don't know what long life looks for any of us. I can't give you any assurances or promises about that. But I know eternity is a long time. And if that's where my long life is, hallelujah. I live in a place where I submit my will to him entirely. I want us to live in a place where we submit our love, our desires, our depth to him entirely. This is not a time for superficial game playing. It is not a time for, for trifling with the holy God. 
It's not a time for trotting up scriptures like lucky charms at people. This is a time for faith and certainty in our innermost places. The God who knit you together in your mother's womb knows you and sees you. And he has anointed you and powered you and graced you for such a time as this. So where you stand, everywhere you put your feet is holy ground. Through Jesus Christ, our saviour. Everything we do, every word we say, every utterance, every breath we take is submitted to the will of God. And his grace and his power and his judgment, which is as mighty as his love. Every bit of him, every facet of his character, we were created in that image. So when we face whatever troubles tomorrow bring, for tomorrow brings troubles. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus says. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that's where we stand. In a place of certainty. In the face of uncertainty. And a place of safe certainty. That the will and power and love of the living God through his only begotten son Christ Jesus will stand the test of time he is for you not against you he loves you and delights in you can I pray for you right now is that okay Lord God Lord God we lift you up to the highest place Lord God we acknowledge and proclaim that there is no one like you Lord God, we acknowledge and proclaim that there is no one who pardons sins the way that you do. Lord God, other gods can come and go, but nobody can hold a candle to you. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord God, in these uncertain times, we submit our hearts, our steps, our faith, our works to you, Lord God. And we say, purify them, Lord God. Purify them and use them for your will. We pray that this country would see how great you are and how needed you are. And we would delight, Lord, in helping you with that, in being your hands and feet as we help the people of your world. Lord God, I pray with all my heart, I pray with all my heart that as people cry out to you at this time, they cry out to you with a pure heart that says, help me. That they cry out with a diligence and desire for the only God who can save through his son, our saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you and love you, Lord. Amen. was brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church.